An execution warrant, also called death warrant or black warrant, is a writ that authorizes the execution of a condemned person. An execution warrant is not to be confused with a license to kill, which operates like an arrest warrant but with deadly force instead of arrest as the end goal. United States In the United States either a judicial or executive official designated by law issues an execution warrant. This is done when a person, in trial court proceedings, has been sentenced to death, after trial and conviction, and usually after appeals are exhausted. Normally when a death warrant is signed and an execution date is set, the condemned person is moved from his or her death row cell to a death watch cell, which is typically located adjacent to the execution chamber. Usually, the government agency charged with carrying out an execution, normally the state's Department of Corrections or the Federal Bureau of Prisons in federal cases, has a limited time frame, normally about 60 days, from the date the warrant is signed, to complete the execution process, or the warrant expires and the condemned person is returned to the death row cell, awaiting another execution date. Stays of execution can be ordered in state cases by the governor of the state, a trial court, a state appeals court or state supreme court or a court in the federal judiciary, including the United States Supreme Court. In federal death penalty cases the trial court, appeals courts, the United States Supreme Court and President may grant a stay of execution. In all cases, the stay may be issued at any time, even when the condemned is being prepared for execution. Cruel and unusual punishment is a phrase in common law describing punishment that is considered unacceptable due to the suffering, pain, or humiliation it inflicts on the person subjected to the sanction. The precise definition varies by jurisdiction, but typically includes punishments that are arbitrary, unnecessary, overly severe compared to the crime, or not generally accepted in society. History The words cruel and unusual punishment were first used in the English Bill of Rights 1689. They were later also adopted in the United States by the Eighth Amendment to the United States Constitution, ratified 1791, and in the British Leeward Islands, 1798. Very similar words, no one shall be subjected to torture or to cruel, inhuman and or degrading treatment or punishment, appear in Article 5 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights adopted by the United Nations General Assembly on December 10, 1948. The right under a different formulation is also found in Article 3 of the European Convention on Human Rights, 1950, and in Article 7 of the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, 1966. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms, 1982, also contains this fundamental right in Section 12 and it is to be found in Article 4, quoting the European Convention verbatim, of the Charter of Fundamental Rights of the European Union, 2000. It is also found in Article 16 of the Convention Against Torture and Other Cruel, Inhuman or Degrading Treatment or Punishment, 1984, and in Article 40 of the Constitution of Poland, 1997. The Constitution of the Marshall Islands, in the sixth section of its Bill of Rights, Article 2, prohibits cruel and unusual punishment, which it defines as, the death penalty, torture, inhuman and degrading treatment, and excessive fines or deprivations. United States. The Eighth Amendment to the United States Constitution states that cruel and unusual punishments inflicted. The general principles that the United States Supreme Court relied on to decide whether or not a particular punishment was cruel and unusual were determined by Justice William Brennan. In Furman v. Georgia, 1972, Justice Brennan concurring wrote, There are, then, four principles by which we may determine whether a particular punishment is cruel and unusual.
The essential predicate is that a punishment must not by its severity be degrading to human dignity, especially torture. A severe punishment that is obviously inflicted in wholly arbitrary fashion. Furman v. Georgia temporarily suspended capital punishment for this reason. A severe punishment that is clearly and totally rejected throughout society. A severe punishment that is patently unnecessary. And he added, the function of these principles, after all, is simply to provide means by which a court can determine whether challenged punishment comports with human dignity. They are, therefore, interrelated, and, in most cases, it will be their convergence that will justify the conclusion that a punishment is cruel and unusual. The test, then, will ordinarily be a cumulative one, if a punishment is unusually severe, if there is a strong probability that it is inflicted arbitrarily, if it is substantially rejected by contemporary society, and if there is no reason to believe that it serves any penal purpose more effectively than some less severe punishment, then the continued infliction of that punishment violates the command of the clause that the state may not inflict inhuman and uncivilized punishments upon those convicted of crimes. Continuing, he wrote that he expected that no state would pass a law obviously violating any one of these principles, so court decisions regarding the Eighth Amendment would involve a cumulative analysis of the implication of each of the four principles. In this way, the United States Supreme Court set the standard that a punishment would be cruel and unusual if it was too severe for the crime, it was arbitrary, if it offended society's sense of justice, or if it was not more effective than a less severe penalty. Capital Punishment There is much discussion as to whether capital punishment is considered cruel and unusual. Common arguments are that capital punishment is more expensive when factoring in appeals versus life in prison, and that the government has been wrong before on death penalty cases, therefore, the government could be wrong again, and the government ought not have the authority to end a life. These two arguments alone may or may not qualify under the test the government puts forth, which could also be considered arbitrary itself, especially if society is not informed enough on these considerable facts. For most of recorded history, capital punishments were often deliberately cruel, painful, and or degrading. Severe historical execution methods include the breaking wheel, hanged, drawn and quartered, mazzatello, boiling to death, death by burning, execution by drowning, death by starvation, immurement, flaying, disembowelment, crucifixion, impalement, crushing, execution by elephant, keel hauling, stoning, dismemberment, sawing, slow slicing, blood eagle, bamboo torture and necklacing. In 2008, Michael Portillo on the show Horizon argued that in ensuring an execution is not of a cruel and unusual nature, the following criteria must be met. Death should be quick and painless to prevent suffering for the person being executed. Medical education should be provided to the executioner to prevent suffering caused by error. The death should not be gory, to prevent suffering for those carrying out the execution, and no cooperation should be required from the person being executed, to prevent inaction, distress, and or suffering caused by the prisoner being required to participate in their own execution. The show argued that hypoxia appears to meet the criteria, by way of applying a combination of the gases argon and nitrogen, as the person being executed would not feel any physical pain or would experience a euphoric state. It was further argued that these gases could be applied cheaply and efficiently by restraining the prisoner by way of physical restraints and masks. Imprisonment. Imprisonment is the restraint of a person's liberty, for any cause whatsoever, whether by authority of the government, or by a person acting without such authority. In the latter case it is false imprisonment. 
Imprisonment does not necessarily imply a place of confinement, with bolts and bars, but may be exercised by any use or display of force, such as placing one in handcuffs, lawfully or unlawfully, wherever displayed, even in the open street. People become prisoners, wherever they may be, by the mere word or touch of a duly authorized officer directed to that end. Usually, however, imprisonment is understood to imply an actual confinement in a jail or prison employed for the purpose according to the provisions of the law. Sometimes gender imbalances occur in imprisonment rates, with incarceration of males proportionately more likely than incarceration of females. History. England and Wales. In English law, imprisonment is the restraint of a person's liberty. The 17th century book Terms de la Ley contains the following definition. Imprisonment is no other thing than the restraint of a man's liberty, whether it be in the open field, or in the stocks, or in the cage in the streets or in a man's own house, as well as in the common goals, and in all the places the party so restrained is said to be a prisoner so long as he hath not his liberty freely to go at all times to all places whither he will without bail or main prize or otherwise. Imprisonment without lawful cause is a tort called false imprisonment. In England and Wales, a much larger proportion of the black population is imprisoned than of the white. Release. Release from imprisonment may occur when a prison sentence has been served, conditionally such as on probation, or for humanitarian reasons. Prisoners of war may be released as a result of the end of hostilities or a prisoner exchange. Prisoners serving a full life or indefinite sentence may never be released. Released prisoners may suffer from issues including psychiatric disorders, criminalized behaviors and access to basic needs. Post-release resources may be provided by the authorities. Various factors have been investigated as to their influence on post-release recidivism, such as family and other relationships, employment, housing and ability to quit drug use. Life imprisonment Life imprisonment is any sentence of imprisonment for a crime under which convicted people are to remain in prison for the rest of their natural lives or indefinitely until pardoned, paroled, or otherwise commuted to a fixed term. Crimes for which, in some countries, a person could receive this sentence include murder, torture, terrorism, child abuse resulting in death, rape, espionage, treason, drug trafficking, drug possession, human trafficking, severe fraud and financial crimes, aggravated criminal damage, arson, kidnapping, burglary and robbery, piracy, aircraft hijacking, and genocide, crimes against humanity, war crimes or any three felonies in case of three strikes law. Life imprisonment, as a maximum term, can also be imposed, in certain countries, for traffic offenses causing death. Life imprisonment is not used in all countries, Portugal was the first country to abolish life imprisonment, in 1884. Where life imprisonment is a possible sentence, there may also exist formal mechanisms for requesting parole after a certain period of prison time. This means that a convict could be entitled to spend the rest of the sentence, until that individual dies, outside prison. Early release is usually conditional on past and future conduct, possibly with certain restrictions or obligations. In contrast, when a fixed term of imprisonment has ended, the convict is free. The length of time served and the conditions surrounding parole vary. Being eligible for parole does not necessarily ensure that parole will be granted. In some countries, including Sweden, parole does not exist but a life sentence may, after a successful application, be commuted to a fixed-term sentence, after which the offender is released as if the sentence served was that originally imposed. In many countries around the world, particularly in the Commonwealth, 
courts have the authority to pass prison terms that may amount to de facto life imprisonment. For example, courts in South Africa have handed out at least two sentences that have exceeded a century, while in Tasmania, Australia, Martin Bryant, the perpetrator of the Port Arthur massacre in 1996, received 35 life sentences plus 1,035 years without parole. In the United States, James Holmes, perpetrator of the 2012 Aurora, Colorado shooting, received 12 consecutive life sentences plus 3,318 years without the possibility of parole. In the case of mass murder in the U.S., Parkland mass murderer Nicolas Cruz was sentenced to 34 consecutive terms of life imprisonment, without parole, for murdering 17 people and injuring another 17 at a school. Any sentence without parole effectively means a sentence cannot be suspended. The prisoner may, however, effectively be released following a pardon, either on appeal, retrial or humanitarian grounds, such as imminent death. In several countries where de facto life terms are used, this is commonplace, such as in the case of Abdelbasid al-Megrahi. A few countries allow for a minor to be given a lifetime sentence with no provision for eventual release, these include but are not limited to Antigua and Barbuda, Argentina, only over the age of 16, Australia, Belize, Brunei, Cuba, Dominica, St. Vincent and the Grenadines, the Solomon Islands, Sri Lanka, and the United States. According to a University of San Francisco School of Law study, only the U.S. had minors serving such sentences in 2008. In 2009, Human Rights Watch estimated that there were 2,589 youth offenders serving life sentences without the possibility for parole in the U.S. since the start of 2020, that number has fallen to 1,465. The United States leads in life sentences, both adults and minors, at a rate of 50 people per 100,000, one out of 2,000, residents in prison for life. By country. In a number of countries, life imprisonment has been effectively abolished. Many of the countries whose governments have abolished both life imprisonment and indefinite imprisonment have been culturally influenced or colonized by Spain or Portugal and have written such prohibitions into their current constitutional laws, including Portugal itself but not Spain. United States. In 2011, the Supreme Court of the United States ruled that sentencing minors to life without parole, automatically, as the result of a statute, or as the result of a judicial decision, for crimes other than intentional homicide, violated the Eighth Amendment's ban on cruel and unusual punishments, in the case of Graham v. Florida. Graham v. Florida was a significant case in juvenile justice. In Jacksonville, Florida, Terrence J. Graham tried to rob a restaurant along with three adolescent accomplices. During the robbery, one of Graham's accomplices had a metal bar that he used to hit the restaurant manager twice in the head. Once arrested, Graham was charged with attempted armed robbery and armed burglary with assault and or battery. The maximum sentence he faced from these charges was life without the possibility of parole and the prosecutor wanted to charge him as an adult. During the trial, Graham pleaded guilty to the charges, resulting in three years of probation, one year of which had to be served in jail. Since he had been awaiting trial in jail, he already served six months and therefore was released after six additional months. Within six months of his release, Graham was involved in another robbery. Since he violated the conditions of his probation, his probation officer reported to the trial court about his probation violations a few weeks before Graham turned 18 years old. It was a different judge presiding over his trial for the probation violations a year later. While Graham denied any involvement in the robbery, he did admit to fleeing from the police. 
The trial court found that Graham violated his probation by committing a home invasion robbery, possessing a firearm, and associating with persons engaged in criminal activity, and sentenced him to 15 years for the attempted armed robbery plus life imprisonment for the armed burglary. The life sentence Graham received meant he had a life sentence without the possibility of parole, because Florida abolished their parole system in 2003. Graham's case was presented to the United States Supreme Court, with a question of whether juveniles should receive life without the possibility of parole in non-homicide cases. The justices eventually ruled that such a sentence violated the juveniles' Eighth Amendment rights, protecting them from punishments that are disproportionate to the crime committed, resulting in the abolition of life sentences without the possibility of parole in non-homicide cases for juveniles. In 2012 the Supreme Court ruled in the case of Miller v. Alabama in a 5-4 decision and with the majority opinion written by Associate Justice Elena Kagan that mandatory sentences of life in prison without parole for juvenile offenders are unconstitutional. The majority opinion stated that barring a judge from considering mitigating factors and other information, such as age, maturity, and family and home environment violated the Eighth Amendment ban on cruel and unusual punishment. Sentences of life in prison without parole can still be given to juveniles for aggravated first-degree murder, as long as the judge considers the circumstances of the case. In 2016 the Supreme Court ruled in the case of Montgomery v. Louisiana that the rulings imposed by Miller v. Alabama were to apply retroactively. In 2022, the Supreme Court ruled in Jones v. Mississippi that judges do not need to find a minor to be permanently incorrigible prior to handing them a sentence of life sentence without parole. Canada Life imprisonment in Canada is a criminal sentence for certain offenses that last for the offender's life. Parole is possible, but even if paroled, the offender remains under the supervision of Corrections Canada for their lifetime, and can be returned to prison for parole violations. A person serving a life sentence must serve for a certain length of time before becoming eligible for parole. First-degree murder and high treason carry the longest period of parole ineligibility in the criminal code, at 25 years. Parole ineligibility for second-degree murder typically varies between 10 and 25 years, and is set by the sentencing judge. A life sentence is the most severe punishment for any crime in Canada. Criminal laws are enacted by the Parliament of Canada and apply uniformly across the country. Europe A number of European countries have abolished all forms of indefinite imprisonment, including Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, which sets the maximum sentence at 45 years and Portugal, which abolished all forms of life imprisonment with the prison reforms of Sampaio e Melo in 1884 and sets the maximum sentence at 25 years. Life imprisonment in Spain was abolished in 1928, but reinstated in 2015 and upheld by the Constitutional Court in 2021. In Europe, there are many jurisdictions where the law expressly provides for life sentences without the possibility of parole. These are England and Wales, within the United Kingdom, See life imprisonment in England and Wales, the Netherlands, Moldova, Bulgaria, Italy, Hungary, Malta, Cyprus, Albania, Ukraine, Serbia and the Republic of Ireland. In Sweden, although the law does not expressly provide for life without the possibility of release, some convicted persons may never be released, on the grounds that they are too dangerous. In Italy, persons that refuse to cooperate with authorities and are sentenced for mafia activities or terrorism are ineligible for parole and thus will spend the rest of their lives in prison. In Austria, life imprisonment will mean imprisonment for the remainder of the offender's life unless clemency is granted by the President of Austria or it can be assumed that the convicted person will not commit any further crimes, 
the probationary period is 10 years. In Malta, there is never any possibility of parole for any person sentenced to life imprisonment, and any form of release from a life sentence is only possible by clemency granted by the President of Malta. In France, while the law does not expressly provide for life imprisonment without any possibility of parole, a court can rule in exceptionally serious circumstances that convicts are ineligible for parole if convicted of child murder involving rape or torture, premeditated murder of a state official or terrorism resulting in death. In Moldova, there is never a possibility of parole for anyone sentenced to life imprisonment, as life imprisonment is defined as deprivation of liberty of the convict for the entire rest of his or her life. Where mercy is granted in relation to a person serving life imprisonment, imprisonment thereof must not be less than 30 years. In Ukraine, life imprisonment means for the rest of one's life with the only possibilities for release being a terminal illness or a presidential pardon. In Albania, no person sentenced to life imprisonment is eligible for parole, this effectively means imprisonment for the natural life of the convicted person, unless the prisoner is found not likely to re-offend and has displayed good behavior, and the convicted person has served at least 25 years. Before 2016 in the Netherlands, there is never a possibility of parole for any person sentenced to life imprisonment, and any form of release for life convicted in the country was only possible when granted royal decree by the King of the Netherlands, with the last granting of a pardon taking place in 1986 when a terminally ill convict was released. As of 1970, the Dutch monarch has pardoned a total of three convicts. Although there is no possibility of parole eligibility, since 2016 prisoners sentenced to life imprisonment in the Netherlands are eligible to have their cases reviewed after serving at least 25 years. This change in law was because the European Court of Human Rights stated in 2013 that a lifelong imprisonment without the chance of being released is inhuman, three years after that the Netherlands changed their laws on life imprisonment. Even in other European countries that do provide for life without parole, courts continue to retain judicial discretion to decide whether a sentence of life should include parole or not. In Albania, the decision of whether or not a life-convicted person is eligible for parole is up to the prison complex after 25 years has been served, and release eligibility depends on the prospect of rehabilitation and how likely he or she is to re-offend. In Europe, only the Netherlands, Ukraine, Moldova and Malta explicitly preclude parole or any form of release for life sentences in all cases. South America. In South and Central America, Honduras, Nicaragua, El Salvador, Costa Rica, Venezuela, Colombia, Uruguay, Bolivia, Ecuador, and the Dominican Republic have all abolished life imprisonment. The maximum sentence is 75 years in El Salvador, 60 years in Colombia, 50 years in Costa Rica and Panama, 40 years in Honduras, 30 years in Nicaragua, Bolivia, Uruguay, and Venezuela, and 25 years in Paraguay and Ecuador. Brazil has a maximum sentence of 40 years under the penal code but life imprisonment and capital punishment are provided by law for military crimes committed during wartime, such as treason, desertion, and mutiny, in the Constitution.